Welcome to MCSO Behind the Badge, an inside look at the Monroe County Sheriff's Office in Rochester, New York, under the leadership of Sheriff Todd Baxter. We're going to talk about what drives us, our leadership culture, our police work, and share some stories of the great deputies and civilian staff that work with us. We're going to talk with interesting guests, and we're going to invite you to engage in the conversation or just sit back, relax, and listen in. Now let's get in pursuit of today's show. Welcome to Behind the Badge, the Monroe County Sheriff's Office here in Rochester, New York, sharing a little bit about who we are as an organization and also the friends that we have in the community that uh, work beside us uh, to share information, uh, to get people informed of what's going on in our communities, uh, what they do as volunteers in our community. You know, we always say on the show that we're one big, huge community, just different job functions. And today I have a, uh, uh, an icon. <laughs> I, I have an icon in front of me, and I, Don, I've looked forward to this uh, since Amy got this one set up. I, I mean, I've interviewed uh, 44 people. You're my 44th podcast. Ah, but, great. You know, I'm nervous now. I'm nervous. <laughs> so, uh, Don Elhart, if you're from Rochester, New York, you already recognize the laugh. You already recognize uh, the voice. And uh, an anchor on Channel 13 here in Rochester, New York. An anchor for so long, you're in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes, we're about to renew that, I think. Uh, as of June, it will be 55 years wow. at one station. God bless. I couldn't no get one does out that. of there. No one does Congratulations. That. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, June 6, wow. 1966 is when that all began. Think about that. Oh, and you started, wow. like, an internship position in 65, I believe. Yeah, I, I, yeah. In 65, I had worked. I'd worked actually uh, at Channel 8 as a, as a summer relief engineer uh -huh. for three summers. And uh, it really wanted to, to get on the other side of the camera. All right. And in 65, I applied to Channel 13. They were looking for a, a news reporter. And uh, they said, well, we don't need someone for the summer. We need someone full time. Yeah. And so I said, well, how about this? You hire me while you look for that reporter. And when you find that reporter, I'm done. Wow. If I can do two weeks, three right. weeks, part of the summer, and get that experience, I would be grateful. Uh, needless to say, I worked the whole summer, right. and uh, and then when stopped. I graduated, came back, and that was it. So it was Incredible. that you know, just getting your foot in the door, which right. you know is so is so important so often. Yeah, and those opportunities, and yeah. you know, the, just, you never know when the, that door is going to open for you, but you got to be prepared to go through it and mm -hmm. take that risk. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you did a little bargaining there, too, where, yeah. you know, I'm just going to be here for a couple of weeks. That's all I want. Yeah, an offer they couldn't refuse. 50-some so years later. Worked out for us. And yeah. as you tell that story, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Channel 8 right now scratching their head going, damn. 50-some huh. <laughs> <laughs> years later, still going, damn. I've got one picture because it will be actually, you know, in 2022, we'll mark 60 years since I actually started right. in broadcasting getting paid. And I have one picture of a very... Uh, much slimmer uh, young man standing by the Channel 8 news car years ago. I have That's to take awesome. that out and, uh, and uh, resurrect yeah, it. Plaster it on social media. We'd love to see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. love to see that. And uh, we're joined today by a co-host. I literally just told her three minutes ago that she was going to be the co-host because <laughs> she's a former anchor from, uh, from the Rochester area, Amy Young, and you've heard her before in the podcast, works in the public information uh, section of the sheriff's office. And I just, as you guys were bantering back and forth, mm -hmm. I was like, well, get on the mic. Let's do this. You know, so, <laughs> and here I am. And there you are. So, and, uh, you know, Don, I don't know. Uh, we learned so much. We brought a professional into the, the sheriff's office, a professional yeah. news person, right, Amy? And because uh, we're usually pretend we're something we're not cops, right? And then we're going to pretend we're public information, yeah. right? So it was very beneficial to bring it. But we've learned so much about your business mm -hmm. from Amy, like the word talent, which she hates, right? But, <laughs> Jeez, you know, yeah, the, the talent's show. on the air and yeah. uh, the B-roll and things like that. <laughs> and it just, it goes on and on. And, 
your your arena that you guys live in is fascinating, but also ever changing. You know, from 1965 yes. to today. Yeah. But through all that, still sitting at the anchor decks in Rochester, <laughs> New York, and that's why I started this pro- icon. You know, that's what comes yeah. to my mouth, out of my lips when I see you. I was like. We expect you. We we expect you to be there and, and tell us when it's good, tell us when it's bad, and, and walk us through those things. And I, you know, I'm, not everyone expects me because yesterday <laughs> I had the, the the security people came to the home. The battery for our security system had, was weakening, so they said you need to replace it. So right. they sent a technician out. I answered the door, and the first thing he said to me, "Hey, Don, how are you enjoying retirement?" <laughs> <laughs> You're so, like pump the brakes. Then, then you know who's watching it and watching it who isn't. So I, I have to remind myself. And, you know, say, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. So I'll go you with know. the standard joke everybody tells. Was that Doug Emblidge by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, that's the best so joke funny. going around. That's been going around way too long, by the way. Well, yeah, I, and I've used that. I've used that a few languages <laughs> where I've said, you know, every day, every day somebody asks me if I'm going to retire. Every that's day. amazing. And every day I say, Doug, no, yeah. not you. Doug, no. <laughs> Well, we laugh about it. Absolutely. And, uh, well, yeah. you you got a great yeah. uh, some great personalities over at thirteen, and mm-hmm. uh, it's nice to have that those consistent figures yeah. in our community that they lead us through history. Mm-hmm. You know, as you look back, you're just talking about that picture from WROC, right? Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, so tell me about just a bit more about Mary, your your beautiful bride, fifty one years, I believe, and yes, the family. Fifty one years. So you do a couple things. I, this is so profound, and and this is why we like to do this podcast. Everybody knows you as the anchor person, but. You know, there's other reasons we celebrate you, yeah. and I hope I don't embarrass you, but we celebrate you because who stays in a job for 55 mm-hmm. years in the same anchor station on a news station? That would be Donald. Right, that's, right, that's special. <laughs> yeah. and, and who's been married 51 years yeah. in this world that we live in now? So we got to celebrate these things, and yeah. it's so important that people get to know you a bit better. So how about a little more of your family? Yeah, we actually, you know, Mary and I met through Channel 13. Okay. Uh, she was uh, a graduate of Bishop Carney High School and had done a lot of uh, theater there been a West Side Story. She was the lead in Brigadoon. And the Rochester, Miss Rochester pageant was sponsored by Channel 13. Okay. And we did it as a remote broadcast from Bishop Carney's uh, high school auditorium. Uh, I was in the news department, but they were producing this, this show and assigned me to be the basically the floor director for the pageant. Hmm. So I went out and, and helped interview the contestants. Uh, then when we did the actual broadcast, you know, it was the one with the headset on behind the curtain, you know, telling people right. what to do and where to go and what, what place to be at. And that was one contestant caught my eye. Uh, <laughs> that was Mary Del Corvo. Wow. And uh, so after the pageant was over, uh, you know, we, we began dating. I always remember that because it's a... Very traditional Italian household. She was born in Italy. Mm. And uh, we went out on our first date, and her father's only comment was, no trust of the TV man. <laughs> no, no trust of the TV no man. No trust of the TV oh, man. Uh, he obviously grew up not only trust me, but love God me. God bless you. Uh, you know. So we, we met through that, uh, through that pageant. Uh, I always joke, she didn't win the, the top award. She got the runner-up. Yeah. <laughs> she got the prize. But... Uh, uh, you know, 51 years later, we were, we were still together. Three wonderful children, six grandchildren, and, uh, you know, really in, enjoying life. And, and looking, you know, retirement's not in the immediate future, but obviously looking to, uh, to spending more time. Yeah, together. absolutely. And it's a beautiful thing. So we both married uh, Mary's yeah. and both married Italian women. That's, yeah. uh, that's something we got there in we common. Go. And, and then the other thing, I, 
we both served, you know, yeah. in our, so tell us a little bit about your service to our country and then uh, we'll get into Rotary because I know you, you you are all about service. That's yeah. the thing I want to get into next with you. You know, I, we were, it was the product of that Vietnam era. I graduated from Ithaca College 1966 and obviously uh, at that point in time, any young man in college was either uh, going to go on to graduate school or, or perform some kind of military service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of us looked for, in my case, uh, a, a chance to not only begin my career, but serve my country as well. And the Army Reserve uh, was that answer for me. Great. Uh, you know, and I always think about it because that's a, that's a long six years. People say, oh, you, you, you know, you're in the Reserve. You didn't have to do much. And yeah. I say, no, we did our six months active duty at Fort Dix, uh, you know, got the basic training. I was, when I was at Fort Dix, I was thrilled at the end of basic training because they said, you've been selected to go to radio school. Really? I said, well, this is perfect. <laughs> That's what I want to do right? for a living. This is going to be great. I got to uh, radio school, and it was eight weeks of Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong radio school. <laughs> and I, 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 I wish I could remember. I mean, I got very proficient at that. Uh, but, you know, did that training. And then for six years, and at the height of Vietnam, we were a, a selective reserve force. Uh, so we had to train two weekends a month instead mm-hmm. of one. And it was uh, at, at the beginning a combat engineering unit, and then a construction engineering unit. We weren't weren't activated. Uh, did most of our, our our summer work at Camp Drum, which is now Fort Drum. Sure. Uh, but we were always on that reserve list. That if you know we were the ones that would Next have to, to go, go in and build a runway in Vietnam mm-hmm. or or do that kind of work. Um, and again, I kind of as I did with with Channel Thirteen in 1965 carved my own niche. Uh, I can't remember what my uh, my actual classification was, but this is a small engineering unit in Penyan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one Thanksgiving, we had a drill, and there was food left over. And I remember overhearing them saying, well, what are you going to do with this food? Well, we donated to the local food cupboard. Nice. And I said, boy, that would, that would be a great story to put in the Penyan newspaper. Right. So I wrote up a story, wow. took a couple of pictures, and said, you know, would this uh, be something you'd want to Well, for that local community, it worked out very well. For most of that time, you know, when people were packing up to go to, to Camp Drama, I had my, at that time, a typewriter and a ditto <laughs> machine. I'm not sure how many people even wow. know what a ditto well, machine is. Google now. that. <laughs> but, but I was uh, up in, in Watertown uh, taking black and white photos, finding a... Uh, uh, a studio that would process that film and mailing out, you know, all these news releases. Right. So that was really my my first job. That's how it started. From the From ground most up. Of that, wow. Most of that job did. It. In fact, I do have a picture. It was I think it was WFLR. It was a radio station in Watertown that I convinced that while we were there, do a, a little you know talk show about the Army Reserve and, right. the, and those that were at Fort Drum. So. Uh, you know, I was able to kind of weave that together, but it was, and again, uh, that's amazing how they meld together those yeah, two careers, yeah. and yeah. the and the friendships that I have from there still some still, very close friends, the military guys, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's fascinating. Well, thank you for your service, and yeah. uh, where I where I've got the uh, to be the most familiar with is, is uh, I joined the Rochester Rotary mm-hmm. years ago, and and again used the word icon. You're, you're an icon <laughs> at the Rotary too, in in, in the service yeah. and the Tootsie Roll and all this. You oh. know, it's just a, it was. I've been parts of other organizations, but that's it's a lot of fun going yeah. to these meetings, and you keep them live and do your your updates uh, there. So, what drew you? You know, that drew you to the Rotary. And, my, and yeah, my dad there? was in Rotary. I can remember him telling the story because uh, he was approached when he ran a bit, ran a hardware appliance and hardware store here in Rochester. Uh, over on Culver Road, 
and uh, and that was great experience for right. me. Just dealing with people, understanding people, understanding customers, whether they were happy or, or unhappy with what you were doing as a business, uh, but dealing with them. And uh, so that was a, a great experience. And I remember my dad telling the story because of an insurance friend of his says, we want you to join the Rotary. Again, dating myself, for him at that time, Rotary was a gasoline station. There were Rotary <laughs> gas stations, kind of like Shell or Exxon. He said, well, I'm Google not sure that. what, the, what, is, this, what <laughs> is this organization all about? Uh, but at that time, it obviously was a very strong service organization uh, and involved in the Rotary Sunshine Camp, which is going to be celebrating its 100th anniversary yeah, it was, in 2022. Uh, so I remember as a young, a young kid going out to that camp, which was then at Durant Eastman, um, and helping my dad as they painted cabins and worked on different projects out there and knew how much uh, Rotary was a part of his life. And when I started working at Channel 13, uh, you know, he thought that would be a great thing for me to join. Back then, it was very difficult to get into Rotary. First of all, it was all men. Yeah. It was all men at yeah. that time wow. and leaders in their businesses. And it was very strict classification. So if you had a lawyer... You only had one lawyer. Oh, wow. If you had a police chief, you know, either you yeah. or the police chief, one of the two would be in there. It was very, you had, and the, and the purpose was to have this diverse classification so no one occupation would dominate the club. Right. Uh, you know, that obviously relaxed over the years. So all of a sudden we had, uh, you know, a lawyer, then a you know, state lawyer and a different lawyer. Right. Sure. broadened the classifications. Sure. But at that time, Tom Decker, who had done the news at Channel 8 for yes. a long time, uh, and one general manager at Channel 10 uh, were the only two broadcasters in the club. Okay. And I had to wait until Tom Decker retired. Really? And left the club before I would <laughs> be able to join. <laughs> uh, so that was my, my entry into uh, to Rotary. And that was 1976 uh, when I joined Rotary. I was, I was really pleased to be serving as president in 1987. Uh, and we were actually probably one of the first clubs in the Rotary world that was a year ahead of admitting women as members and realizing that the Rotary couldn't be that private men's right. club anymore. And uh, I still remember the time we, we talked about it and uh, asked Betty Pine, who was then a, a judge, uh, if she would. And, and I remember because her, her husband had been involved in Rotary, her dad had been involved in Rotary. And uh, so she had an interest and she became our first woman member of Rochester Rotary. That was like 19, well, 1987. It was during that 87, 88 year that I, I served as president. It was 89, I think, when Rotary officially embraced women uh, as part of the organization. And obviously we've, we've seen that grown over the years. But uh, I think our colleague Donna Didi even served as president from mm-hmm. Channel 10. Yeah, Donna, once upon a time. And we've had you know a number of women who have... Uh, yeah. Uh, been serving as president and and leadership roles. It's uh, you know the organization right now without that uh, broad support would not uh, you know no. would not be yeah. wouldn't be the be, same. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be, be here. Same. Yeah, probably wouldn't be here. And Don, you were famous. I don't know if you know this, Sheriff, for that one clap. Oh applause. yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone mimics you that. Everybody uses it. Well, not even in the area. They're doing the one class. I like, wish I could claim the original credit because there was a, a oh. again a past district governor who had uh, been part of Rochester Rotary, Jack Potter, who uh, and I think that originated with what is now uh, the United Way. Back then, it was the the community chess campaign. Right. We used to meet over in the Chamber of Commerce uh, building, which. The large hall sadly no longer exists. Uh, there is within the the 
the innards of that building a beautiful, beautiful hall. I didn't know that. It's yeah. it's two stories takes up takes up two floors. Uh, it was a huge uh, meeting area with a with a balcony that rimmed all of it, and they used to drop microphones down for the United Way within the community chest, and they would have, you know, so-and-so reporting from East Kodak, and they would step up to the mic, you know, like, like you see in the wrestling match, <laughs> right. and the mic comes yeah, down. Yeah. So they had all these mics hanging, and then they would, they I think at that time, would give one clap, you know, for, for whoever was doing that report, so they wouldn't Go on be a round of applause that would delay <laughs> right. the meeting all the time. So Jack Potter uh, started doing that at uh, the Eastern Cities Dinner, which we have every year, and I kind of inherited that from him, but then I, I said, you know, this is going to work in any venue, and, and it does, when you're introducing right? a head table uh, where you have a lot of people, you could spend a lot of time, and then, you know, somebody gets a little more applause, somebody right. gets a little yeah. less applause. This way everybody it's everybody fair. gets equal, <laughs> equal one clap. You've touched on this a little bit, Don, through the conversation so far, but in our industry, or mm-hmm. my past industry, and, and thank you for the nice intro, Sheriff. Absolutely. I'm glad to be with the Sheriff's Office now and uh, take with me all mm-hmm. those years of um, broadcasting experience and bring them here. It's been the the biggest um, pleasure since I've been here with the sheriff since 2018. But the industry that we are in, Don, the technology Mm -hmm. changes. And you've reinvented and reimagined yourself a lot through the years. (laughs) Did you ever imagine you'd be tweeting and uh, social media using Facebook? Uh, It's always, people joke in the newsroom because the oldest guy there is probably the most techie. Really? (laughs) I've always, and it started... I mean, all of this started when I was in the fifth grade. I don't want to divert from you. Bring me back to where you're I'll going. I'll bring you back. Because my mind wanders. <laughs> but uh, when, when, when I was in the fifth grade, uh, Don Netzger was our teacher. And uh, he set up a little <laughs> radio station in the corner of the room. He, he found creative ways to, to bring the curriculum to us in, a, in fun ways. And set up at that time, and I tell people now, they don't, they don't know what I'm talking about, but I said we had turntables, record players, what? <laughs> <laughs> and microphones. And we, my best friend and I, Pete Burrow, uh, just fell in love with this. This, this was the greatest thing that really? ever happened. Well, of course, you know, he didn't leave it up for the whole year. So when they took this down, we were devastated. We ran out to Radio Shack and Allied <laughs> Radio and bought microphones and VU meters and you know turntables, transistors, and, and had you know, and we were up, yeah, we were up in our our bedrooms, transformed into studios. I still. I go back to our home I grew up in in Brighton, and I, that's the one thing about being on television. You can knock on a door sometimes and not be, you know, people know who you are. Right. I used to live here. Can I, can I come in and look around? They're like, sure. And then the guy said, I've been meaning to ask you, in the cold air return, there's this yeah, big, yeah. big clump of wires. What, what is that? I said, well, we used to run speakers downstairs when we did our radio shows. And, and Don, you still yeah. have a studio in your home, right? Yeah. That's one yeah. of your... Pastimes yeah, or hobbies. I always have done that. Just you know, they a radio, a radio studio. Yeah, just a little recording studio. Yeah. You know that I've, I've used at times, and uh, you know, and still do. I was doing you know a couple of announcements this morning to uh, to send into work, and uh, it is. It's interesting. I can remember going to to cover uh, the Kodak annual stockholders meeting in mm-hmm. Flemington, New Jersey, mm-hmm. back when the fight organization here was was very active and disrupting that meeting. I was there with a silent. 16 millimeter camera and a cassette recorder okay no and that's how i well. gathered the interviews <laughs> and you know and tried to put them with whatever film we could covering the attica prison uprising uh in 1971 i went there alone and this time we had a, a sound movie camera mm-hmm. film camera but i keep telling people the story i, I would drove all the way to attica i would do some interviews do the story 
there was only one pay phone in a little bar restaurant across the street that you could hardly get to. Charlie Plantard, who was the, mm-hmm. the photographer channel, <laughs> uh, who at that time I think was a special deputy. He had, you know, he, this was a news photographer right. who at the time had the, he would often arrive at an accident scene. I, I can't remember his car number. It was a 170, I think. He would, he'd just call the sheriff's dispatcher say, yeah, I'm at the scene of an accident. Send a crew over. But he had the, he had a telephone in his car, you know, that worked through the ham radio operator. Oh, that's interesting. So he wow. was able to do that. But for me and everybody else, it was then driving back to Rochester, processing that film, which took an hour, an hour and a half, looking at the film and then putting it on the air. I I make the comparison sometimes because I I say, you know, that gave us time to analyze the story, put it in perspective. Think about things, right? You know, and that's why I think from your point of view, it's very tough. I mean, to have, you know, when a a scene is unfolding, to have people there live and understand that, you know, we we can't give you access to everything. We can't tell you everything right now because people want to know. Yeah, right. they're going to be tweeting it out. They're going to be yeah. getting it through other. Social and it's hard media to bring hours. back that story once it's out there. Even yeah. if it, yeah. and it's not yeah. intentional to be false. Just people are dying for information. No. So we're in that race all the time, yeah. like yeah. factual or fast, right? Yeah. right. And uh, but some people won't take slow. Yeah. You know, they no. just won't accept that. We, we always try yeah. to pause, though, right? I mean, I'd yeah. rather be. I've always said it throughout my career, yeah. and this one now too. I'd rather be accurate. Then first, yeah. <laughs> sometimes because the damage of not being yeah. accurate, being accurate. And, is you know, key. And, and you bring that up because that, and I don't know if it's changed. I remember listening to the president of Ithaca College probably five or six years ago now, um, but they had done a survey of young people and said, "What is more important to you, accuracy or immediacy?" Uh-oh. And immediacy, scary, won out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to know, and and their premise was, "Tell me now, Fix you know it. I want to know it." If you have to correct it, if you have to change it, that's fine. I will, I will live with that. But I want to know, hmm. mm-hmm. and and we're still in that mentality yeah. of right. we want to make sure, and sometimes we're very sure, but we haven't got that extra source right. or that right. yeah. that real Triple reliable source that, yeah. that gives us the the license to say let's let's go ahead and use this. So it's a it's a very tough balance. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, uh, you know, start in 1965. You mentioned yeah. Attica. Um, I think of Arthur Shawcross, all these profound yeah. things. So in your mind, as you, as you reflect, what, what are some of those the ones that stood out, those stories you had to share with, with, with Rochester and Monroe County and the whole yeah, region? I, I can remember, I go back, and I'm sitting in the sheriff's office, and I chuckle because as I, as I was driving across the, the bridge and looking at this building, I, I always listen to the 60s on 6. I like the 60s music. Right. The song that was playing was I Fought the Law. And the, uh. law. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the law won. Uh, so I, I was chuckling as I was driving over That's there. perfect. Uh, but I, but I was remembering. But, the sheriff but, but, right now. <laughs> but going over that river, I remember, and I, I didn't cover this, but I remember the story. It was Sheriff Al Skinner. Right. Uh, and there was an ice jam on the Genesee River right up downtown. And he, it was, you know, they were very concerned about the ice. So he, Decided, and I have to check all the accuracy. But they were going; they used dynamite to to break up the ice, wow. which worked, and it also broke it every window <laughs> in that and one building. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got to be in your history somewhere. Oh my um, goodness! I also I remember. Think I do Al, remember reading about that. We talked to Todd in, Allen about yeah, that one. That's be in the book. And I remember Al Skinner, Al Skinner was, uh, you know, I mean, this. Uh, there was used to be where the Al Siegel Center is. Boy, I'm really dating myself. <laughs> where the Al Siegel Center is now and has been for most everybody's lifetime used to be the South Avenue Penitentiary. Right, right. And 
we had prisoners escape from there, and we had to cover it. And I remember going out there and saying, well, how could you escape? <laughs> well, there was no foundation to the building. They oh. literally dug a hole underneath, <laughs> came out the lawn <laughs> on the other side. It's like they a just, cartoon. Yeah, just <laughs> dug right out, and they were gone. Bugs Bunny so, did that yeah, once. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So again, my my total accuracy may be a little off on some of those, but those. But obviously, the ice storm in '91. Yeah, uh, how profound was that? One I remember the shock cross that you mentioned. Uh, I remember that one because again, my mother-in-law and father-in-law did an ironicoid and had a garage sale, and remember him coming on his bicycle and buying wow. some old linens and curtains and things. And, I, and they, she distinctly remembered. Wow. This, this he guy. was one of those figures, you know. We didn't know who he yeah. was. Yeah. Unfortunately, paroled to Rochester, New York, and we didn't even know his yeah. law enforcement. But that's a different story. Yeah. You know, we're still upset about that, but everybody remembers it. They remember him dumping donuts on Monroe yes, Avenue. Yeah, cops remember yeah. talking yeah. to him, yeah. right? Those big tires on his bike. Everybody, but no yeah. one ever was able to put those pieces together. Yeah. Fascinating. So many uh, ladies. I think of some I remember the, other. the Brinks heist. Yeah, uh, it was right next door to where I was. Haley Bolton, I think, it was probably. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I, and I remember yes. Sheriff Maloney at the time. How, how personally that was wow. for mm-hmm. him uh, that was probably the most emotional i've ever seen him uh you know, and i remember sitting down with him when he was was going to retire and, and that was an emotional time too but yes. but the kaylee Poulton story was one and i remember going out to that command center in east rochester as they waited and waited and that night when they finally discovered her i think uh, i don't know if he ever really Got that? Yeah, I think it was a very yeah. tough time for him. It, it's got to be tough. I mean, you mm-hmm. you deal with families, and uh, you know, you embrace those those moments, and they they live with you a long time. Oh, absolutely. They're sure. they're they never leave, yeah. right? And the things you see, you know, it's utterly incredible. But as sheriff or as chief of police, if you truly care, you know, yeah. this is your community. You have you have ownership of that. And, yeah. You know, we've had some horrific homicides that. And you you can't do the press conference, yeah. you know. You, if you're really gonna be sincere yeah. and say this hurts, yeah. you know, and, and you guys do the same thing. It's, people don't realize the vicarious trauma that we absorb, right? Yeah. Whether you're just telling the story from afar, yeah. but you know, some of these people you knew in your community, yeah. right? I'm That's sure right. you you reported on your own friends or I mean, just yeah. the nature of our jobs. And that gets to be, I think, probably people. Someone asked me once, one of the most difficult moments, and there are some. Uh, but Dick Burt, who oh, I co-anchor with for 20 you. years. <laughs> Uh, I remember sitting in the conference room one day. We were, we were talking to a consultant, and uh, they interrupted the meeting and, and asked Dick to come out. And his son had been struck by a car uh, out in no Greece, idea. and uh, he left right away. And the next day, his son passed away. Oh, done. Oh. And I can re- still remember the six o'clock news, and I, and I was I was young, much younger, obviously, and. Uh, George Bayon was doing sports. Tom Wells was doing all this. <laughs> and the names. I said, wow. you know, I don't think I can get through this story. Sure. And it, it was a simple story, just to, but his son had passed away. And we had been so close for so long. And I, I remember sitting on that set. And I said, I'm going to open the newscast. And I'm going to just say that one story that yesterday Dick Burt's son was struck mm. and today he passed away and that's all I'm going to say I barely got through that Absolutely. and I remember George and Tom just reaching over and grabbing each arm oh, of my bless, arm we oh. went to commercial and then we came back and did the the rest of the show it's tough. Uh, and it was a you know difficult moment more difficult because at the time I was going to Lake Avenue Baptist Church and it was a uh fellow member of our congregation who was the driver of that car oh, and it was a tragic it was you know, his son was playing on a snow pile 
waiting for the school bus and right. slipped off and fell into the path of this car. So uh-huh. it got, but it was always from that time on very difficult because I'm working with Dick and, and I was blocking the news producing at the time. And for a while I would kind of just take stories about accidents and things and I would do them and, and it got to be a, uh, you know, kind of a, a challenge, but a very, mm-hmm. very tough time. But you, again, you take it personally. I contrast that with, you know, and times change things, you adjust. When my mother passed away uh, at the age of 102, I was walking to the studio and I get a text from my sister who wasn't really paying attention to the time to say, mom passed away. Mm. And I'm oh. literally walking into the studio How and Doug and Ginny are there yourself? and they go, anything wrong? I go, my mom just died. Do you want to stay? I and I don't, and sometimes you just go into a different mode. I said, no. I said, but if you could help, have them dig up some footage. We did a Mother's Day piece on my mom a while back. I want to just do a bright spot at the end wow. of the news. I don't wow. even wow. really remember this. <laughs> wow. Went through the newscast, and at the end, just kind of ad-libbed a bright spot over pictures wow. of my mom. And then went out to the Baptist home where, uh, you know, she had passed away, and uh, we went on from there. Wow. But sometimes what you just go into that. Trip. You go into that automatic yeah, we mode, in, in law enforcement call it game mode, right? Yeah, right. you just got to go and get. You got to finish yeah. the right. mission, yeah. and, and you then, really don't. And that's realize exactly it. what you did. And later yeah. on, you decompress, and, right. and it all comes out, yeah. right? Yeah, and you got to be able to process but at that it. moment. You just kind of wow. do it. But, but what I mean, a, that was a phenomenal. beautiful tribute at the yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. I was just, in yeah, the moment. What a, what a right? phenomenal yeah. tribute! If you thought about it, you probably couldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have. It would have been very difficult to write. It would have been difficult to do. Right, and it would have taken some time. Probably best that you. Did it in the moment, yeah, you know, yeah. in hindsight. Well, you're you're a great person. Uh, you're a great service person to our community. You served our country. You serve at the Rotary. There's so many other things on your resume. I could have talked about your service. Uh, you're an author of a great book. I was happy to get an autographed oh, yeah, copy yeah. from you this summer or this uh, winter. Uh, we could do the show for an hour and a half, but uh, we, we we spend about thirty minutes. I told you yeah. to fly by, Mr. L. Hart, and uh, it has flown by. You uh-huh. you are a pleasure to be around. You are a pleasure Thank to uh, to share some history. Um, so we, we finished on something a little light here. It's called the no Miranda zone. Uh, mm-hmm. you're familiar with Miranda warning, yes, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, you have a right time. Well, this is <laughs> no Miranda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Let's yeah. clarify I want, that. I want to, I want to ask how you're familiar with it, but <laughs> exactly. the point on, on my show, cause I'm the sheriff from yeah. Monroe County, you don't have rights and you have to answer my questions. So uh, we're going to start out, and I know the answer to this first one. Uh-huh. So I think I know I'm going to be surprised if I'm okay. wrong, but what's your favorite candy bar? Yeah, you know, how do you know that? Cheryl? We spend a lot of time. Yeah, well, it's kind of surprising. I don't eat a lot of Tootsie Rolls. You don't. Oh, I guess it Tootsie would be the favorite because it really started. And I won't hold you up, but it started with Howdy Doody years ago. I'm always dating myself. They used to give out that big Tootsie Roll. Right. So that's how it started. So I guess if I had to pick a favorite, Stick obviously with that. that's uh, that's the one. I'm so he gives for. an award at the Rotary every yeah. every meeting of a, a Tootsie Pop award, and, and also gives the stock market where the where the yeah. Where that's how that that's how that started. I didn't realize that Tootsie Roll was a stock. Right. I thought it was just part of some big company. Well, Tootsie Roll yeah, is standalone. Yeah. And uh, Easter Seals years ago, I still have it framed on my office wall. Gave me one share of Tootsie Roll. Almost said Kodak. Tootsie Roll stock, and I get a nine cent dividend every quarter. Do you really? Yeah. It's I'm not going to retire on it. It's good to be rich. It's going to be good. That's good. So I know uh, you were stalked not too recently in Aruba by Amy <laughs> yes. Young. And I wouldn't so call it stalking, Cheryl. I get this picture out of nowhere. I know Amy went on vacation, yeah. and all of a sudden Don sells me, sends me a picture of you. And I'm like, what are the odds yeah. of you two? Well, Don so, was so gracious to take my daughter and I. We had a mother-daughter trip to Aruba. And actually, when I, I tapped your former colleague, Patrice yeah. Walsh, because I, I knew she often went to Aruba, mm-hmm. and 
just said, Patrice, where do you stay? I'm just curious where to start yeah. with this trip. And uh, she shared the hotel that she stayed in, and we wound up booking that yeah. one. And then she called me back like two days later. She said, I think Don and his wife Mary are down there when you're wow, down there. Yeah. And I said, you're kidding. We've never been. And yeah. it's just, again, my daughter Andrea and I. So we would love to have his cell phone number in the event that we would need him for some reason, <laughs> you know. And um, and I'd like to say hello. Yeah. So she, uh, we exchanged numbers. And I got a text immediately from Don and said, why don't we do lunch or dinner or yeah. something when you're down well, here? And so it, it happened. And, yeah. Um, Don took us out to a beautiful Italian restaurant and got to converse with Mary a little um, yeah. deeper and get to know your lovely wife. And we had a fabulous time. And I just shared some pictures with Don of that trip. So, yes, yeah, Don world. texted the sheriff and said, <laughs> <laughs> out of the blue, and there we are yeah. and having a... They would go, there was 1970 <laughs> on our honeymoon that we went there. First time. And that was, uh, again, going back to Ithaca College. My, my roommate's father was a lawyer working with some investors at the time that were... Uh, building a uh, hotel called the Dibby Dibby, which is still there. And he kept coming over to the house, his father, and talking about Aruba. And I still remember one night I stopped at, at my wife's house before we were married, after the news, and I she opened the door and I said, Aruba. And she said, what's that? I said, that's where we're going on the honeymoon. <laughs> well, she said, where is it? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Really? But that's where, and, and we, we ended up. And now, you know, if, Amy, you've been there. But at that time, there was literally where all the hotels are now, one building. I, and it just. Uh, it's grown you know, from there. And we didn't go back sure. for a number of years, but it's always, you know, it's, it's called One Happy Island. And it's a. Uh, it's a happy spot for yes. us. Never heard a bad thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's sunny wonderful. in 82 every yeah. single day. Yeah. The, breeze, <laughs> yeah. the breeze never stops, they say. I kid the, I kid the meteorologist at work because I shared a little YouTube video yesterday. They were interviewing a meteorologist in Aruba. You know, what's the forecast? Sunshine, high beach. What's the forecast for tomorrow? Sunshine, high. What's the forecast for May 1939? Sunshine, 82. That person works That's four right. minutes a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's not exactly. a bad job. Let's go there uh, next, Don. So, Don, we'll finish up with one more question yep. in the No Miranda Zone. If you're going to hashtag yourself, being the, the hipster you are with social media. Ah. But I'll follow this up. If you're going to hashtag Doug, uh, Doug Emlidge, what would you hashtag him? <laughs> <laughs> I left Jenny out of it. Yeah. These other first steps. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, Jenny, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> As I say, I'm not suicidal. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get the, uh, Doug, I was. I guess community, because he, they, I, he community is, probably applies to all of us. I think that's kind of a, a theme that, that we've embraced. I think that's. God bless. Uh, you know, I also Perfect. remember Bill Peterson, rest his soul, because that was yeah. a very close friendship. And we always said. You gain viewers one at a time, mm -hmm. and you'll lose them one at a time. And so this this mass appeal that we always try to do for ratings or whatever it is, mm -hmm. people want to know you as an individual. Yeah. Yes. And the more you get out into the community, and I don't mean this selfishly, that you do it for that reason. No. But time and time again, I go to a luncheon or a banquet or a dinner, you get to meet the people in the community, if mm -hmm. they end up, and a lot of them do on the news, you you have that connection with right. them. Already. And that I think community connection probably would be the hashtag. I think if that's you make that beautiful. connection to the community, it, it means a great deal both ways. Uh, and you're able to, and that's why I love the bright spot that we do every day. We're able to, to let other people shine. I'm there mm -hmm. five days a week. I don't need any more lights on me. Right. So if whatever light is on me, I can reflect on someone else, 
and that's why we call it the bright spot. That that to me is the most fun. You know, when I'm when I'm able to to make somebody else's day mm-hmm. and make that connection, that's one more person. And I think we just kind of embrace them. And I think we've we've seen over the years that that community connection really makes a difference. Amen. It's all about relationships, and uh, I think you're the bright spot for a thousandfold. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the, what you're doing with your talents and what you're doing with your abilities is is very positive for our community, and especially in a time and era that we need right. positivity. Uh, so thanks for being you, Don. Thanks Thank for you. joining us today. Thanks for sharing with uh, us some history of the Mount County Sheriff's Office. I didn't even know you shared some of that. With that, folks, we're going to wrap up the show. It's been an absolute honor to be with both of you here. Thank you. Thank you, Sheriff. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of MCSO Behind the Badge. In between episodes, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Monroe Sheriff NY. Until next week, be safe.